listening to Influential Barbecue, the podcast where we talk to influencers in the barbecue industry to uncover how they've cultivated huge followings, unique income sources, and sponsorship possibilities from a love of cooking outdoors. If you want to turn your passion for food and fire into a world of opportunities, you're in the right place. And now your host, Jordan Moore. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whatever time it is, where you are, when you're listening to this, welcome back for another episode of Influential Barbecue. I can't believe it. We're already on the ninth episode of this new podcast. It's hard to believe it's both already nine episodes and only nine episodes so far. But this has been a whole lot of fun to be doing, and I'm having some really great conversations with people that I used to only see and follow on Instagram. So this has been a huge learning experience for me, and I hope it has been for you as well. I just wanted to take a moment before we get into this week's show to thank each and every one of you that has listened to this podcast or shared it with your friends and fellow barbecues, posted it to your social media platforms, given me a review on Apple or Spotify, and especially to those that have sent me DMs telling me that this show has helped you in one way or another. It's interactions like these that really help keep motivating me to continue doing these interviews and planning these episodes because I want all of you to become better influencers, better cooks, and better people. And it's always so nice when I get a message saying that this show has done just that in one way or another. So a great big thank you to each and every one of you who has, is, or will listen to one of these episodes of this podcast. It truly means the world to me. It truly means the world, and I appreciate it so much. Now, let's get to the reason you're here today, and that is my conversation with the lovely Steph Foster of Foster Feasts. When I first started the Backyard Brisket, I noticed that a lot of the accounts that I'd begun following were all from the U.S., and as a Canadian, I wanted to find some fellow Canucks to follow and connect with, and Steph was one of the first accounts that I came across. She was always posting really great content, interacting with the barbecue community, and She's always down to offer advice and guidance to anyone who asks. So I'm going to be quiet and we're going to move on to my conversation with Foster Feasts. Hello and welcome back to Influential Barbecue. Today I'm joined by Steph Foster of Foster Feasts. Steph, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Hey Jordan, thank you so much for having me on the show today tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background and kind of how you got into this barbecue world? Yeah, so um, for anybody that doesn't know, I own the uh, page Foster Feasts. It is a culinary collection of food, snack boards, grilled creations, and, you know, very family-centric and social gathering type meals. Unlike a lot of the traditional pages, I like to focus on the entire meal. So the sides, and the protein and you know how to display it and how to serve it up for a family or or a spread for a nice Sunday brunch. My first job was in a kitchen. I started, you know, working in a restaurant and worked my way up and and I've always loved food. I'm a professional marketing manager by trade, so I work in corporate marketing. So a bit of this navigational side is a bit um, natural to me knowing some of the back ends of what people are doing and how they're doing it and how they're asking for it and yeah I live in a small town or no actually now I live in the country not even a town Uh, I have two kids and I'm married and yeah it's my own little world 
So how do you go about balancing all of that? Because you're very prevalent on social media. You know, I see you every single day. You're always, and it's not just throwaway posts. You know, you're talking to your audience. You're talking to the camera. You're always cooking something. How do you balance building up this page and continuing with it while also working for a full-time career and, you know, raising a family? There's, there's a lot of balance and the best advice I can give everybody is know your why. Why do you do this? Why are you supporting the brands you support? Why are you sharing the content you do? Always making sure what you're doing has meaning and and making sure your priorities are in check. So family is number one. And that was kind of something that you're very quick and easy to get lost in. You know, there's a lot of love to be had feeling all those likes and those shares of everybody coming and telling you how great your stuff is. There's equally the downside of when you don't get that type of feeling back. I've had to really balance back. I used to put, cook and post twice a day and it was all fresh content. It was not banked. Banked is the term where you like, you'll like you cook it and then post like you've done it a few days later um, to kind of save up content so you have something. And you can more methodically plan out your, your strategy. And it was getting to be a lot. It was easy during the beginning of COVID because we were all in a cultural shock of being stuck at home and you couldn't go out with friends. So it was kind of easy for me to to develop the content and share what I do every day, realizing there's so many people that just kind of want to know, how are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And there's a lot of amazing people that I've learned from. Like I've had people teach me how to smoke things I had no idea or relying on the community to share inspiration back and forth and it, it's as much about giving as it is taking and getting. I've eaten more new foods in the past two years than I think I've eaten in my entire life. And, and I'm sure everybody can agree to that. Uh, it's all about a community and, you know, giving back and, and taking from it. But making sure you take that time off the gram as well to be present for those that matter most. And our rule is, is I don't cut the steaks on camera. I cut the steak for my family. So it's a very rare experience that I would make our family eat a cold dinner uh, more than they have to because food's expensive. We all can agree that meat prices are going through the roof. Food is going through the roof and, and I don't get my meat paid for. I pay for most of my product that I show. So it's important to know that I want to enjoy that, not just so that strangers get to enjoy what I work hard to eat. <laughs> yeah. And that's such a, a big part of it too, because you get wrapped up in the social media aspect of it all that, and I'm just as guilty of this where like, you don't get to eat it until I've gotten the shots I need. And now it's kind of cold, but it's still pretty good, but it would have been better five minutes ago. I hear that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you got to rebalance yourself with that every now and then to realize like, Hey, I, if Instagram goes down tomorrow, I still need to eat. So I have to eat first, you know, get what you can, but cherish the people that you're with or the people you're cooking for a little more than the people across the world looking at you through a screen. Well, yeah. And you know, and, and it's different if you're a full-time content creator and Instagram goes down, you won't have food on your table. Um, so I fully respect their true craft and, and profession um, of the hustle and, and doing what they do every day. You know, if I don't post today, nobody's going to notice and be like, Oh my God, Steph didn't post today or so-and-so didn't post today. Again, it's it's always making sure family comes first. You know, you should never have to apologize. Oh, I'm sorry, I haven't 
posted for two days, you know, or I haven't commented or what, or whatever. Real life must always take your front seat. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've seen accounts do that before where like, I haven't posted in four days and I'm so sorry. And I always think, I mean, I don't think you have to apologize because you're giving all of these people either free recipes or free tips or just free entertainment. So take the time to take care of yourself or your family first. You don't need to apologize that you didn't post something. I agree with that. So since you are a marketing manager by trade, uh, how much do you find that kind of bleeds into how you plan things out for Foster Feasts? Is there kind of a gray area there where you're using similar techniques or do you find that you're learning things from Foster Feasts and taking it to your work world? Both. Like I initially started this as much to kind of share photos and stuff, but having managed some social accounts, it was like, well, I want to see how, like if I want to be a good you know, marketer on social media, I got to know how the system works. And I wasn't entirely familiar, you know, with, the breadth of, you know, how to use hashtags properly, why is this doing, how to tag people or engagement. You know, I wanted to actually speak the truth in my actual day-to-day job. So it was as much a science experiment to kind of learn this so I could speak, you know, oh, I know what I'm talking about because this is, I've been able to grow a page or I've been able to navigate this. It, it's very blurred lines. Like sometimes, you know, it's, it's as much a squirrel moment where something funny happens and you just want to kind of, interject it going oh my gosh you're not going to believe what happened today and and then there's times you kind of totally forget where you've received a package for somebody and then it might sit for two to five days before you can unveil it because you want to ensure that it doesn't get lost in other random content that's been pre-planned or or kind of talked about I really because I don't do this professionally and I say that with air quotes that you can't see You know, I want it to be as organic and natural as it is that it feels like the the suggestive tips are of that based on, you know, content I'm attempting to seed or that feels as organic and natural as it can. I don't I'm not just here to sell people things. It's not why I did this. It's not why I want to do this. But sharing why I love the products I use, I am so happy to kind of do that. Yeah, for sure. It's it's so good that you can connect your you know your hobby with your work because it's your work life is going to help grow your hobby and your hobby is going to help you succeed more at work because there's so many blurred lines in there at the same time right so it's it's not like you're totally taking your mind out of what you're doing when you're doing it which could also have you know it could also be bad that maybe the hobby is also similar to work which could get draining eventually but if you love what you do then i really don't think that it's a problem I've got to keep feeding my family every day. So as long as there's no conflict of interest, and again, it's making sure, you know, for me, I am working with brands that, you know, I don't see conflicting to each other, to myself, to my views, to my career. It's it's keeping respect. And, you know, I respect my followers. I respect the companies I work with. And, you know, I respect my family. And it's just about ensuring for me in my why of when I choose it. Um, I remember when I kind of first started out and I ended up in this barbecue group and and I am so grateful to Seattle's Butcher's Wife and and Ryan from Spaceman Barbecue for for adding me into this this little community group. And I remember when people would start getting free goods and it's like, oh, I'm getting a barbecue sauce from so-and-so or oh, so-and-so is going to send me these rubs. And everybody just kept saying, yeah, send me, send me, send me. 
And I kept saying, no, I just kept saying, no, can I send you this? I'm like, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. Not that I didn't want it or not that I wasn't grateful, but to anybody kind of getting into the influencer thing, you know, once these offers start kind of coming, be calculated in terms of not being the yes person to everything, because you're never going to make everybody happy. And, and I say no to probably seven out of 10 offers that come my way. And it's, it's really got to fit who I am because every account and yourself is a brand and, and you're advocating for that brand. Does that brand stand in line with your values, with what you believe in, with what you stand for? Do you align with their marketing values, their company direction? And there's a lot to everybody to kind of know, not just, yeah, I'm getting free stuff from everybody. Oh yeah, look what I get in the mail this week. I get a lot of free product, but it all comes at a cost. There is nothing that is free on this platform. Yeah. And the one thing you always have to keep in mind is the product might be free, but now you're representing everything that that company decides to say in the past, present, and what they say in the future. So if they take a hard left turn on something you don't believe in, you're now tied to them. So you really have to kind of vet these companies before you really want to sign on with them because you're not just getting something. You are now partnering with them essentially to help them grow further as well. Yeah. And, and there's no doubt, like I've made some pivotal moves and contracts at my level, which was uh, both a, a great opportunity and part strategy. And, and it had, it made sense in my life and my family and, and my move, we were moving, you know, we moved into a trailer for four months. We've built a brand new home. We were off grid. Like I didn't have, uh, you know, the arsenal to be able to cook and deliver content for an extended period of time. And, and I was committed to keeping my page and, and keeping, you know, growing myself as a, as a griller and member of the community. So I was forced to kind of look at making some, some strategic contract moves. Again, there's lots of opportunities. There's lots of free product. There's lots of money. There's lots of everything out there. The biggest thing I can say too is don't give it all away for free. Like the amount of people that just do it all hopelessly hoping and aiming, you know, know when to give up on a company and, and move on. Um, know when they're not going to say yes or, or don't be afraid to ask companies. The least they're going to say is no. Like that's the least a company is ever going to say. But some wise advice someone once told me, and I will hold this dear to my heart, is handshakes over handouts. And it's important to know that it's not just about asking. It's about knowing how you can be a partner to them too. And I think that that's equally important to anybody in this community. That is a great piece. I haven't heard that one before, but that is a great piece of advice because it just, it further connects how you want to be a part of what you're working with and you don't want to just receive something for doing it. The, the biggest thing that I've noticed with this barbecue community is that everyone in this community who is really doing well, all want to help everyone else at the same time. They're not doing anything just for themselves. They want to help everyone else by either, you know, sharing techniques, sharing experiences, like that whole group of people that went to social feasts and all of them just shared all of that for the entire week. And Everybody who was at home was just watching that and having such a good time watching them have a good time. And they could have just gone there and, you know, did their thing, had their trip. But everyone in this community wants to help everyone else at least feel 
better throughout the day, if not try to help them cook better or try to help them grow their page or anything like that. And it's, it's a true community of handshakes over handouts because no one's ever asking for something for free. They're always asking how they can help everybody else. Yeah. Like that, those, you know, I admire every single one of those individuals that went to social feasts and, you know, I, I call many of them friends and I'm, you know, I want to cry because I'm so honored that, you know, a lot of them were mentoring me when I had, you know, 380 followers. And I started my page going, I'm going to go head to head with Misty on this Caesar challenge. And we're going to make, I'm going to make a Bloody Mary to compete with hers because she's got a really good one. And, and, you know, and not in a bad way, like it wasn't a malicious, it was total respect and admiration to, to look up to these people. And, and I look up to so many. And when people are like, oh, I look up to you, you know, you almost don't believe that somebody can actually look up to you and, and you just feel like you're just doing what you best you can to be part of something. And, and they'll all give back. Like they all, you know, if I ask somebody, how did you do this? Or I bought this piece of meat, what am I going to do with it? Or how do I trim this? You know, Nick from Saltfire, you know, he showed me how to trim a brisket way back in the day and, and the tips and techniques that are available make me a better cook. And, and I just want to keep passing that on to others because nobody deserves bad barbecue. That's the truth. If you have bad barbecue, you're having a bad day. Well, and yeah, and we've all had bad barbecue. Trust me, we've all had bad <laughs> cooks and things that go wrong. And, and, and it's not just about the perfect, pretty Instagram shots. It's about the learning experiences. It's about knowing when they failed or why it failed or how to make it different. You know, we've all seen the crazy weirds and wonderfuls, whether it's bacon wrapped something this week or meat on a stick. You know, there's there's a million different new trends that go wild and crazy. And and that's the fun of it. That's a community at its finest. What I'm really looking forward to is all these accounts that started up in April 2020 when there was nothing to do. I'm so excited for next summer when all those accounts get to start getting together safely and cooking for each other for the first time since they started. And I think that's going to be such a cool summer to watch all these new pit masters and these new content creators suddenly getting together with all the people that they built relationships with over Instagram and TikTok for two years. And they're just going to, it's going to create some of the most genuine organic content I think we're going to see for a long time. And friendships, like you're 100% right. But we've met friends, like I have met so many amazing people through this platform that I could never, like, they've changed my life and they have supported me. And, you know, I've made friends, I've lost friends, I, you know, so much realness has been found on this platform. And you're right, April 2020, a lot of people got locked in their home. They're like, I'm going to start an account. What else do I got to do? Or I'm going to follow so-and-so because I got to learn how to cook because I can't go out for dinner. And now I got this barbecue because I'm going to have a backyard oasis. Like the world is different in a good way because of how many people have learned how to cook for themselves all over again and fallen in love with it. And, you know, events like the barbecue shows and competitions, I, I agree with you. I really hope that we get to soon get together and start celebrating this in person much like they did on that social feasts yeah because that was that was so killer to watch and just the joy they all and like most of them with aside from mel most of them were already in the states so they were seeing each other long before we could but it was still not 
not in a capacity like that. And it was just so cool to watch. And all these people that started in April, you know, they haven't been able to cook for people really other than their own families. So once they start cooking for friends and new friends and stuff, I think, I think we're in for a really nice summer next summer of people just doing what they love. Oh, I agree. Going back to some partners, I noticed like what you said about partnering with people you believe in is definitely true because everyone that I've seen you partner with has been, you know, pretty low key, but honest made companies. Like you have Kaplansky's mustard. Now I just saw you doing a few posts about, and I looked into them and I've got a four pack of mustard in my cart now, but um, what do you, how do you go about approaching these smaller companies? Because those, maybe those companies don't have the budgets for influencers or, you know, that kind of marketing budget to do things like this. What do you, how do you go about contacting them or just, do you just start a dialogue and see where it goes from there? What, what do you kind of think through when you're doing that? A lot of them more find me like, and it's not that I, I knew who Kaplansky's mustard is. It's, it's an amazing mustard and they've got a new grainy one and it, it rocked my world. But a lot of them find me and, and so many of these companies are looking for creative ways to get their marketing it's a, you know, social media is a low budget way for a lot of companies to kind of seed in, in terms of influencers, you know, there's, you know, micros and nanos, like certain tiers of influencers that I am in the, not the entry level of an influencer category, but I've always been about local. Like I was always, you know, I still buy from my local butcher. I still tag my local butcher. I work with other butcher companies and, and it's as, it's as much about giving back as it is getting. And as long as both parties kind of feel like they're getting something out of it and, you know, it's relationship building and believing in the product. If it's just going to be a product that I have to put my name on because I'm going to get a paycheck in the mail, it's not who I am. I, I commend those that can do that and, and go that route. But it's not who I am. It's not in my DNA to, to just sell it. I have to believe it. And, you know, I, I enjoy that I get to work with some, you know, Rainier Foods and Enviro Niagara and that. Like, I've got great relationships with some small local companies, but then I've got, you know, big relationships with, you know, global known companies like Pip Boss. And that's pretty cool, too. I think that's the best way to look at it. You just, you have to believe in what you're doing and, you know, you don't have to go looking for partners all day because eventually you're going to get tired of reaching out to people. And Well, there's both, right? Like there's both. If, if you're just going to start throwing it out there that I want you and I want you and I want you and I want all this free stuff, what happens if they all say yes? True. How are you going to deliver that back to them? I personally have reached out to maybe three companies and I was like, I, I know you need me. And now I'm going to make you have me. And and it was, and 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 they say that in a kind of a cocky form because I'm just like I was so committed that I'm like, nope, you're <laughs> the right product for me. I'm not going to settle for anybody else. And and I need to carry your product. And but then there's other companies that ask all the time, and it's like I I want to work with you. I want you to try my mustard. I want to know what your thoughts are. And sometimes you know you do taste tests for people and give reviews without ever partnering or, or whatever, but I have a spice cabinet that's probably got 200 spices in it right now. And I can't show all that. And, you know, that'd be like one a day almost every year. Mm-hmm. Now I know there's 365 days. I can do math, but <laughs> theoretically speaking, you do have favorites. <laughs> I'm just going to breeze past that. 
but no, just know when to ask, know when it feels right. And, you know, but no companies are going to find you too and, and tag them. Like if you're using their product and tag them or maybe ask them, Hey, I've done a great recipe. I'd like to work with you on featuring it when I go to post it instead of just giving out the free content for them. A lot of companies be wary of it, want to repost your content. Is that in your best interest? Are you giving up your rights to your content? Reposts and shares, there's there's a fine line between giving up your rights or giving away free content. And you got to know your lines. That brings up a pretty interesting topic, actually. And you've probably got a bit more of a background on it than me because you work in marketing. But when it comes down to rights of content, what should people be thinking of or what questions should they be asking if if content rights kind of come into play because you could give up your rights to a piece of content entirely or you could share the rights or you could give them nothing but what are your thoughts kind of in that realm of this with that there's definitely an area you want to look at Um, again I'm not a lawyer I'm not a corporate marketing lawyer you know I am somebody that looks at content out there Some companies, if, you know, oh, I want you to develop a recipe for us so we can have it. You know, questions you want to ask. Will I own rights to that? Will my name be tied to that? Will I get to have exposure to that? Can I share that back? I have sold recipes that I, nobody will never know are my recipes. And it's this company now owns the rights to that recipe. They publish the rights to that recipe. And I was compensated to give up those rights where... Other companies I've worked with, it has been shared mutually where it says, you know, recipe created by Foster Feasts. And, you know, you can find those on Ontario Pork. And, you know, I'm pretty excited to work with a lot of our local associations and things like that. Um, read your contracts. Ask for a contract or ask what the expectation is. It. None of us are experts. Well, some are definitely. But more often than not, people are giving up more than they need to. But... Just be cautious and weary and know what's going to happen with that. Like, how many people have read the fine print on Instagram? You've given up your rights to all your content as soon as you posted it. So you've got to just be cautious on everything you're doing on this platform as well. Like, you won't see my kids more than ever needed to. I try to keep them private for their safety and security um, as a parent. It was a decision I made to protect their rights. They have rights as much as I do to to expose myself and them on the social platform. Yeah, and I, I've noticed that with a lot of creators too. I, I don't see their kids on there and that's okay. If I had a child, I don't think I would want to plaster their face in front of thousands and thousands of people when they're not even sure what I'm doing because they're too young to understand, right? Well, yeah, and you know what? Everybody's got their own choices and rights it was a decision that we made as a family that we would keep them out of you know out of this and I love them dearly and you'll see their odd you know hands or body you know kind of in the background but again I have as a parent tried to protect my kids and right now I have 14,000 people and I don't know 14,000 people from around the globe that I would I feel I'm intimate enough with what I share on social media. I feel I'm allowed to keep what I, what I do private um, from a protection standpoint. We can never be too careful. Absolutely. And you are right in how you, how you are on your page is, is very personal and intimate in the sense that you seem to talk 
to your followers very softly. And you also tend to open up a lot about, you know, if you're having an off day, you'll speak about, you know, mental health and stress and anxiety and things like that. Has that been, is, is this page somewhat of a therapy per se for you as well? If you're having those days to try and connect with people and also help other people feel okay if they're having rough days as well? It's, it's definitely a give and take, right? Like I appreciate when I see people being real. And I think that that brings the authenticity side to what you're doing is, you know, you're as much about following a person as you are following their food, right? Like people are always like, I want to come to your house for dinner. And it's not just for the food. They want to come because it's fun and it's crazy or it's whatever. But again, creating a personal relationship is important to me because I want it to feel like I'm talking to a friend. And that's why you might see something very serious, whether it's a, you know, a world issue or an event or something that's kind of going on as much as it's about having fun and crazy things that happen or moments to connect and and unite people. You know, I never thought being sick and cooking my kids grilled cheese with ketchup was going to cause such an uproar on social media. (laughs) But here we are. Apparently, I was giving my kids the wrong side with grilled cheese. But that's what I think that creates the organicness of it is just being real um, having fun and and making it relatable to other people. That's why they want to watch your story. Is what it, you never know what's going to expect. It's not like it's the same sales pitch every day. Of here's this, here's this, here's this. Buy this, here's this. You know, you never know what you're going to get from me. <laughs> yeah, and it also ties into the way social media is now. Like, I things don't need to be nearly as polished and edited as they used to be. Like, especially with TikTok, because you can just post the most like raw, (laughs) poorly lit video and it will take off. And I think social media is starting to become a little more relatable to most people, whereas it doesn't have to be a perfectly staged photo or the most elaborate meal every time. It can just be what you're serving because you're sick and your kids need to eat. And this was easy today and I'm dipping it in ketchup and it's delicious. Like there's now a separation. Are you a ketchup guy or a tomato soup guy? I'm predominantly a ketchup guy because I, I don't often eat soup, but I will dip it in tomato soup, but I always do ketchup first. Yeah, I hear you. I'm the same way. Um, <laughs> but, but I think that that's what kind of brings it back to the humble side of it too is, yeah, we put out some, you know, very polished content, highly edited photos and videos. But at the same time, here's me sick as a dog talking about giving my kids, you know, the most basic dinner you could possibly humanly muster up and it it just makes it relatable like oh you're not out of scope or out of touch you're you're definitely you know somebody I can cook like or you know you want people to to be able to do what you do and making it feel like it's normal to have off days is is a good thing like we're not always on stage like I'm just here and I am home alone a lot so it's kind of a nice way to connect with people yeah 100 percent. it doesn't i can only imagine what a lot of people's drafts look like because they don't think something was perfect enough to post but just just post the stuff if people don't like it at least it's a talking point and either you improve or you lose followers you didn't want anyway like it's you're putting stuff out there to grow a community for yourself and for other people. You're not putting it out there to be the best at everything because no one can be. 
But you know what? It, it, take it as an opportunity. Ask, use your content to, you know, post that picture of that, you know, shepherd's pie that, you know, as good as it was, looks like garbage. But that's how you know it's good because it doesn't look the best. But ask people, what is your meal that you make that you just can't photograph? Make it a, a comment point that people will want to engage with you saying, because we all have those things. Like, you know, the amount of, you know, responses I get of, I know I can't cook this either. Mine of this doesn't do that. Or, you know, engage, make it a point to be engaging. And, and that's where it'll set you apart from, I made a steak. I made a steak. Now there's people that just post amazing steak videos and posts and, and it's just epic, but that's not everybody's page. No. And there's a time and a place to stare at a bunch of steak videos. And I've been in that wormhole before and it's a great wormhole, <laughs> but sometimes you need out of there and maybe have some vegetables, but yeah, just it, everything's a learning opportunity. And like I said, with this community, everyone's willing to help you improve anyway. So there's really no dumb questions here no because we're all we're all going to help you get better and in turn grow this community to be even more epic than it already is and there's no right like there's just no right or wrong answers either in the way like you could ask somebody do you cook brisket fat side up or fat side down you're gonna get a ton of different answers you know is it foil is it paper is it do you use a binder? Do you not use a binder? Do you know, like everybody has their own barbecue technique and, you know, different areas of the world barbecue different. I think that Jordan, you and I can agree being from Canada, barbecue season is uh, very short, but yes. we still do it year round. I'm on the hunt for another grill right now, actually, and trying to find one in the dead of winter is proving to be a very difficult task. Where, you know, other parts of the world, it's like you could have a barbecue, get it easily any day of the year. So it's learning the different, you know, what's Texas barbecue, what's a, a North Carolina mustard sauce. Like there's just, there's so many techniques and styles that, you know, you want to try it all. You want to learn it all. And, and everybody's going to tell you theirs is the best. And I think we're, being up here in Canada, I think we're at a bit of an advantage for that because, you know, if, you, if you're if you down in Texas and you don't want to do Texas barbecue, you're going to get some rocks thrown at you. But <laughs> up here in Canada, we're just like, we don't have a specific type of barbecue. We put food on the fire and then we eat it. So we can really explore up here and just do some of the wackiest things that we want without, you know, stepping on traditions, um, which, I, which I think is pretty cool about being up here at least. Yeah, it's kind of like getting to be in like the audience of a big show. And it's like you just kind of watch all the previews. It's like, yeah, okay, I'll try that one. <laughs> all right, well, I'll try that one next. Where, you know, there's very distinct, as you said, styles of cooking barbecue in different areas. And we just get the benefit of having it all. Except <laughs> exactly. for tri-tip. We can't yeah. get tri-tip. I did. I, I have a butcher here in Hamilton that I can get it from pretty easily, actually. Uh, Jamie Waldron Butchers. He's got it pretty readily available. So write that down if you're ever in the Hamilton area. I've been told I'm not allowed to bring another tri-tip home. <laughs> Aww. And I'm okay with it. I You know what? I, I want to go somewhere where somebody's going to cook me one next. <laughs> Come on down to Hamilton. I, I got some. <laughs> Perfect. So speaking of... Canada, 
other than it being, you know, minus 10 or 14 Fahrenheit for our U.S. friends and, you know, dark at four o'clock with blowing snow, what do you think some of the bigger challenges are as a barbecue person in Canada? Not just in terms of, you know, trying to cook in the winter in sub-zero temperatures, but more so from like sponsorship sides or audience growth. Like I feel like a lot of the sponsorships and a lot of the bigger accounts are all in the States because that's where the majority of the companies are based. So they have access to all of that kind of stuff. And a, a lot of stuff does not ship to Canada. So mm-hmm. I just wondered what, what your thoughts are on kind of the struggles of building up a brand like this in Canada. Well, first of all, Canada, as big as we are geographically speaking, we are a very small piece of the barbecue market for a lot of these companies. So for anybody that doesn't know, it's expensive to bring product to Canada. It's difficult to bring products to Canada based on the size of our market in terms of most businesses. Uh, so it's been very difficult, you know, in my entire career in marketing where you hear like, oh, I see they have this down there or they have that hat or they have this shirt or they have that grill. You know, Pit Boss has some pretty amazing new products that just launched and none of the new ones are currently available in Canada. And I'm like, so I'm not going to get to get one of those. Mm-hmm. Um and, and it's expensive. Shipping here, freight, duty, tariffs is an expensive venture. So it's much easier from my experience for companies to just partner with some of their U.S. counterparts or influencers. It doesn't mean that we're not important up here in Canada. There's some amazing talent that have some amazing partnerships and, you know, are doing extremely well. You know, Mel, Dark Side of the Grill, you mentioned him and you know, Queen of the Grill, Paula's with Louisiana Grills and, you know, working on her new cookbook that's coming out in April. There's some amazing talent in Canada that, you know, we need to celebrate and, and recognize. And companies do see that and do recognize the talent. It's just we're on a limited capacity. You know, there's if you look at your stats or most people's stats, most of your followers are American because it's just that much bigger um, in terms of population density. So it's it's a challenge. I get a lot of companies like, we want to work with you. And, and I could say yes, but I say no a lot just because I'm like, you don't sell in Canada. I can't literally tell my friends. If I can't tell my friend or my neighbor to buy this product, I don't want it. I don't want to promote it. I don't want to sell it um, unless there's an avenue into which they can get it here in Canada themselves. Yeah, that sums it up pretty good because it... <laughs> Every, yeah, even buying a hat. Like if I wanted to buy a hat and it was in the States for $25, you convert that. Now it's $32 and the shipping's 15. You convert that. So now this doll, this is a $50 hat and it's going to take three weeks to get here. Yep. Imagine trying to order a grill. Like I'm, I, I'm actually literally in the process of shopping for a new grill. And I hope when everybody hears this, I will have got it nice and worked in. But I am actively buying a new grill right now, a new pit boss. And trying to find one in Canada, in stock right now, it, it of a specific model or, or that has been an absolute challenge. And it doesn't matter what brand it is right now. It is just barbecue season in Canada is over. It's not a brand issue. It is a Canada issue. <laughs> yeah. So, it, and it's important, right? Like in Canada, you were asking part of the other challenge. Because of our season, 
you know, it, it's freezing rain outside or it's snowing, the grills have to be able to handle the cold, harsh winters, especially in barbecue. You know, mm-hmm. grilling is one thing where you're going to fire up the grill and cook a hot and fast steak and be done with it in 10, 15 minutes. If you're going to do a slow pork butter brisket for a 12 or 18 hour cook at a very low temperature, you're going to go through a lot of charcoal or pellets or or fuel in order to maintain that temperature for that length of a period of time. And insulated blankets and grills that have, you know, handle these cold conditions is definitely um, part of the challenge and why I'm hunting out a new grill is to get one that I is going to really get through the winter up here. What one are you looking at out of curiosity? I'm looking at, I'm in between a Pro Series or a Sportsman. So it's still a Pipos. It's a mid-range size, but again, I need something that I can put an insulated blanket on because I found trying to keep my, you know, the the Lockhart is beautiful. I have a Lockhart. I don't know if you've seen it. It's got a mm-hmm. nice uh, upper cabinet, but because of the winter, I found uh, I'm losing a lot of heat just based on the sheer size of it. So trying to keep the temperature, if I was doing cheeses and my smoked meats, it's definitely still going to get its use this winter but I find it's working a little bit harder than I'd like it to. And from my experience with grills, uh, a welder's blanket or an insulated blanket definitely uh, is a game changer on your grill. So my best advice to anybody with a pellet grill that wants to grill year round, invest in an insulated blanket. Yeah, I've seen a lot of those in the winter and I think to myself, that's a great idea. And then I just curse and swear all winter until spring and I never get one. Well, you'll pay for it very quickly. Like they're not the cheapest, Jordan, but it will save you in in fuel very, mm-hmm. very quickly. Like I, I gave a a test run on a unit last year, and without an insulated blanket, it just went through pellets like crazy. And you know, I couldn't even do an eight hour cook without going through a a twenty pound bag of pellets. Jeez. Yeah, and and it's it's just. Welcome to Canada. Welcome to, you know, living in Northern Ontario. Well, Southwestern Ontario. It's windy and the winds are not the best, you know, you've, and every grill is different. Every manufacturer is different. But from my experience with pellet grills, an insulated cover or blanket will make a huge difference on most units. The only saving grace in the winter is that you can just stuff a couple extra drinks in the snowbank beside you and they will stay cold. And it's an outdoor refrigerator when your grill's not in use. So I find a lot of the time, it's like, where am I going to put this brisket now that it's done and it's cold? (laughs) I, I, I am happy. I love cooking year round. Like there's just something nice about barbecue and it's been in my life for four years now. Um, I've been smoking meats and cheeses and foods and honeys and it's part of who I am. And, you know, I think that that's the thing is once you fall in love with it, I'm not one to put my barbecue away for the winter and wait until spring to do it all over again. And I yeah, hope you're much the same. Absolutely, I am. I, I live on the second floor of my house, so it's a bit more of a trek in the winter to get out there. But I do it anyways, and I get laughed at, and then I feed people, and I don't get laughed at anymore. Bingo. <laughs> so, nearing the end of our time here, but I was just, I wanted to ask you, you know, you've got a full career in marketing happening. You've got a family what do you see, where do you see Foster Feasts going in the future? What do you want it to turn into as like an end result? I don't know. I didn't even think it would do this. 
Like I, I still stare at it and you know, my sister be like, oh my gosh, you hit so many followers. And, and I'm like, I, I still remember starting the page going, I don't want to lose my friends. I never imagined I'd have contracts and sponsors and, you know, friends the way I have, have met them and, you know, businesses that I can call on that want to support me back and will jump in both feet. You know, there's something truly amazing to see where it's come today. And, you know, looking at people like Brad from Chilies and Smoke and Paula from Queen of the Grill who are launching cookbooks and, you know, there's people, social feasts that, you know, they're turning some of that, I think, into a show or something. You know, there is so much opportunity. I can't wait to see what's next. I have no idea, but I, I'm excited. And that's all that matters. As long as you're excited to keep on doing it, it doesn't matter what it turns into. Yeah. Like, and I hope for everybody, you know, take the chances. You know, who knew cooking food and taking pictures of your dinner could get you anywhere? <laughs> I know I got made fun of when I started my account up and I thought it was awfully silly. And here I am talking into a microphone, into a screen, just chatting about how to make money at it. <laughs> and that there is a possibility to make money at this. I never believed it, but there is. I just wanted a free grill. <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out. This is why you started it. Literally. I think I was like, I, well, I had a July 1st deadline. So I started my account in September um, I told nobody I knew about my account for like the first month and a half that I even like personal that I had this account. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I started telling my friends when I got a few followers and I actually kind of felt like, yeah, okay, I got 25 people following me. I'm legit now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then it, you know, it just, it goes. And, and then I was like, oh my gosh, I can get a free grill out of this. Look at all these people that have, you know, sponsorships. I'm going to, my, I set a goal of July 1st and, and I got it and I couldn't believe it. Like it was, it was amazing. This community is full of such amazing companies, such amazing people and amazing food. So much food. Yeah. You'll never go hungry if you follow the majority of these accounts. And if you do, it's your own fault. hundred percent. hundred percent. Well, Steph, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. If people want to find you, where can they go and do that? You can follow me at Foster Feasts, so it's at Foster Feasts, or you can even get any of my recipes and content uh, available on Facebook or the website directly at fosterfeasts.com. Amazing, and I'll link all of that in the show notes for everyone so you can get there quick and easy. Uh, thanks so much, Steph, and have a great day. Thank you so much, Jordan. I really appreciate this. No problem. Take care. You too. And that will do it for my talk with Steph Foster. Please go give her a follow at Foster Feasts. You won't regret it. And always try to remember your why. You're putting a lot of time and energy into this barbecue thing. So keep your mind on why you're doing it and make sure it doesn't lose its joy for you. You can find links to everything we talked about today on the show notes page at influentialbarbecue.com. I'm always looking for feedback on this show from you. So please, any feedback you give me will help me improve this show to bring you better episodes. Shoot me an email at podcast at influentialbarbecue.com or send me a DM at influentialbarbecue on Instagram. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with those that you think would enjoy it and benefit from it. And please leave a review. The reviews help this podcast get discovered by more potential listeners, and that would be pretty cool. I'm Jordan Moore. You can follow my barbecue adventures on Instagram at The Backyard Brisket. Thank you so much again for listening. We'll see you next week, and keep on grilling.